Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Before the show, here's the shout out to our new sponsor, Ferro Wine. Ferro Wine has been the largest wine shop in Italy since 1920. They have generously supplied us with our new t-shirt. Would you like one? Just donate 50 euros and it's all yours. Plus, we'll throw in our new book, Jumbo Shrimp Guide to International Grape Varieties in Italy. For more info, go to italianwinepodcast.com and click donate. Or check out Italian Wine Podcast on Instagram. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This is the Voices series with me, Rebecca Lawrence. This week, I'm joined by Italian wine specialist, John Camacho Vidal. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you. Great to be here. Really excited. I like to start most of these conversations by asking my guest to introduce themselves to our listeners. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're currently working on. Well, uh, as you said, my name is John Camacho. I'm originally from Colombia, South America. I grew up in New York City. I got into wine through a small shop called Italian Wine Merchants at Union Square, uh, where I ran every gamut of the uh, operation from delivering wine to a portfolio manager to tasting events, really was able to be privy to Italian wine like a lot of people were not. So um, I basically love tasting wine. I love uh, talking about wine and Italian wine is just so, so much of a gamut of different things and different uh, regions and styles and, and, and different grapes uh, that it's become something of a perpetual journey for me that I hope to continue doing. Right now I'm uh, working for DMP Selezione. Uh, I'm kind of a wine ambassador or brand ambassador for some very well-known producers in Italy, as well as some uh, up-and-running shining stars, uh, small producers, artisanal producers, which uh, will be taking that next generation, the next leap. Um, so I'm very proud to be able to be their voice, uh, to be an extension of the winery in the States when they cannot uh, travel or represent themselves. Um, I'm there for them. So you are the perfect candidate for the podcast because you truly have been immersed in Italian wine, kind of from what I can tell, for your entire career, obviously having started off at this place in Union Square. Was it always your plan to be immersed in the wine world, in the Italian wine world, or, or did you stumble into it? Did, did you actually have other plans? It's actually quite interesting because uh, I used to be in finance. Um, I was a, a financial consultant, uh, and during the whole tobacco and the, the craziness that went through that we all know what happened, uh, uh, a friend of mine said, hey, this is a company that has an investment fund, and the investment fund is based on Italian wine. You should give them a call. And to make a long story short, I got the job, and I was supposed to sell this fund to clients. And uh, the owner, this is a, an Italian wine merchant at Union Square, uh, Sergio Esposito called me into his office once, and he asked me a few questions. I guess he just wanted to know if I knew wine. I thought I knew wine. But he made me feel so inferior. The questions that he asked me, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be in this position ever again. Uh, I want to know everything about this. Um, and it just became a love from there on. Uh, I never actually sold the fund. Uh, I just got straight into uh, volunteering for events, pouring whenever I could pour wine, uh, whenever there was an opportunity to taste wine, whenever a producer was visiting or, or, or an importer or sales rep, I was always there. Um, so I kind of just stumbled into it. Fortunately, it was Italian. 
Um, some people actually tell me, why don't you work with the Andean community since you're Colombian, um, you know, wines from South America. But to be honest with you, I, I just, the palette that I've developed for Italian wine is something that I hope to continue developing. Uh, as I mentioned, I think that it's a perpetual journey for all of us who are in wine. Um, and Italian wine specifically just gives you a plethora of, of textures, aromas, flavors. Uh, this is just so much, so much that um, I, 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 you know, I have no time to, to dwell anywhere else. <laughs> I know that feeling so well. It just sucks you in with all the variety and styles. And once you get started, there, there is no way out. <laughs> so you don't only work for DMP Selezione. You also have a bit of a side hustle. And I was hoping you could tell our listeners a little bit more about the work you're doing with Wine Stories. What I truly enjoy about wine, other than the obvious, uh, you know, the, the, the tasting and, and, and enjoying wine itself, uh, I truly find a passion for sharing um, these experiences with other people. Uh, while I was at Italian Wine Merchants, uh, where I shined was actually telling the story. Uh, for me, I think it's very important for especially new wine drinkers, uh, new Italian wine drinkers uh, to connect the dots. So what I like to do is if you're not a wine drinker, I'm going to turn you into a wine drinker. And once you're a wine drinker, I'm going to turn you into an Italian wine drinker. Um, and by, by telling the story and sharing the producer's philosophy, uh, producing uh, the wine that they have so much love and dedication that they put into this, um, I want to share those stories. So uh, I'm a storyteller, basically. I'm a wine storyteller. And it all go, goes hand in hand because as I am an ambassador for some of the producers, I'm doing the same thing that I'd like to, love to do is share their story, uh, get that message out there uh, so that when somebody is having that glass of wine, they're able to say to themselves, wow, I remember uh, that story I heard about the gentleman who uh, inherited this particular vineyard from his great, great, great grandfather um, and, and found that there was this little um, you know, obscure varietal. Uh, and now he's bringing it back to life. And, and, and I'm actually having a piece of this. So what I try to do through wine stories is exactly that. Share the story and, and share the Italian wine gospel, so to speak, if that makes sense. I think it's it totally makes sense. I think particularly like you say for for new wine drinkers and new Italian wine drinkers the world of wine can seem so large so confusing so baffling people don't know where to start but actually it's a really human world and being able to tell those stories really helps I think make connections between people in the wine it's not just about pouring a wine and drinking the wine from the glass there's all the stuff that happened before the wine got to your glass that is so important for people and I think once you start making those connections and telling those stories your relationship with wine can just change and that's when you truly become a wine drinker I agree it's, it's when when it finally clicks I, I always uh, one of the things that I tell people when I'm tasting with them is Ask yourself the question, wow, why do I like this? You know, what is that particular little aroma? As we all know that that taste is a chemical reaction that, that stirs up a memory. Uh, so subconsciously, subliminally, if you smell, I don't know, if you grew up in a peach orchard and there's a, a peach tone in that wine, it, it's going to transport you there. So I always tell people, ask yourself, why do I like this? And then start doing the research. Um, I think that's part of the battle there, just, uh, you know, to be conscious, to ask yourself that question and not just simply, you know, gulp it down, uh, be, be, be aware of what you're drinking. 
That's so true. And actually, that's just made me realize that one of the, the grapes and the wines that I really love are these Sangioveses from Tuscany because they have this lovely sort of dried herbal rosemary note. And rosemary for me is the smell of Tuscany. There's rosemary growing everywhere, also in Umbria. It just, it's everywhere and it really defines that kind of central part of Italy from, for me. And that is so inherently connected with my story with the wine. So yeah, thinking about it in those terms and saying, you know, why why is it that you like this particular aroma or flavor in a wine is such a great way to connect with someone when they're trying something. Mm, absolutely. And, and, and as, a, as a storyteller, that's what I try to do. I try to get people to make those connections, make the correlation. And again, more importantly, to get them to ask themselves that question. The next step is, okay, now I love this producer. Why do I love this producer? What style of wine is it? What region is it from? Um, you know, how is he making his wine and, and you know, the, the techniques that he's using. So it's, it's, it's planting the seed and, and watching that grow. And the best thing is when you have people look for me in social media and they say, hey, thank you very much. I remember you introduced me to this particular wine. And now they're actually teaching me about the producer or teaching me about the region, which is ultimately what I think we all want to do, create ambassadors of ourselves. That's so, that's so great. <laughs> So you actually, you brought up producers and I did want to talk about how you select the producers that you want to showcase during your tastings. Is it client led or are you able to select those that maybe you feel need a little bit more attention or maybe are particularly shining with their wines or maybe you just had a particular aha moment with their wines? What's the selection process like for you? Honestly, I think it's a combination of all the above. First of all, for me, I have to be sincere to the wine, sincere to the winemaker. We all have to pay the bills and there's a business aspect that goes along with wine. We all know that. But I have to be sincere to the producer that I'm going to represent. I have to enjoy the wine myself so that I could portray uh, that passion that they are, or, or rather the efforts that they're putting to give you this product in their bottle. If I don't like it, it's I'm, I'm doing them a disservice. So it's a combination of all those things. I have to like the wine. I have to see what uh, the group of people I'm going to be tasting with, what their personalities are like. Uh, I always believe that what we drink reflects our personality the same way that the personality of the wine producer is reflected in his wine, in his wine style. So uh it's 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 a, it's a combination of all of them there it's it's uh, what i race, recently drank and like oh my god this is just amazing uh, i just learned about this particular producer or this particular grape and i get excited about it and then i want to share that as well um and you're always going to have uh, it's so um wine is so personal uh i might have a producer or a style of wine that i drink and and half the room loves it the other the other half not so much type of thing but the point is they did their job they moved you uh, spiritually or, or, or that, that transition of memory, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, I think the producer did his job. So it's a combination of everything. If you come to me and say, Hey, I want to do a tasting with this type of theme or, or this type of producer. Um, and I don't have any producers there, then, you know, I'm going to be doing you a disservice by just putting something together quickly. So, uh, again, I'm being redundant, but I think it's a combination of all, of all those things. So given that, what is, uh, maybe a wine or a region that you're particularly enjoying right now? Because um, I know that you've been traveling around Italy. You've, you've recently been in Verona and you've been doing a bit of a tour. So what, what's exciting you? Right now, I am completely enamored with uh, Lambrusco. VIA, you know, they, they, they shed a lot of light and it's a, a region. The media is beautiful and the food is amazing, as we all know. But I, I'm looking more 
and more this uh, natural wine that's being made in Emilia. There's a movement right now called Emilia Shirley, uh, which I actually hope to do an, an event or, or in conjunction with them in, in the States. So I have unofficially become an ambassador of Emilia. All the, the grapes that are in the region uh, are just fabulous. So I'm drinking quite a bit of Lambusco. Cordeletto is one of them. There's a particular um, a producer that I just met that I just loved and, and, and just had just a wonderful connection, uh, uh, Aquila. They're doing ancestral method. They're, they're again, I, I just get, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about all the wines that I tasted with them. These are high altitude wines also. I also tasted some wines in, in, in Regina, which are more the plain, the flat side of it. And this is diversity. I think that we got caught up. I, I can only speak of the United States because that's what, where I am. But um, we got caught up with Lambrusco being this semi-sweet, fuzzy kind of yeah wine. But there's just so much more to it. And what the producers are doing right now is just so spectacular that uh, I'm really excited to actually be their ambassador. Like I said, I, I've met some people from the, the people who put effort into Slow Wine, for example. I did a little bit of tour with the journalists from Slow Wine, and I was privy to tasting with them. Felipe Marchi, for example, uh, Antonio Paverdi. These are individuals that are just a, a, a wealth of knowledge. And I was able to sit with them and they were just guiding me through what to look for, what not to look for. But more importantly, again, the history. Uh, of the producers themselves, um, these small artisanal guys who just simply, they, they got it down. And, and it's not a science, it's, 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 it's a feeling that they have. And when that feeling comes through, the wine is just spectacular. So I'm sorry, I'm just rambling on because I, I, got, I get so excited of all the things that I've tasted with these individuals that are just spectacular, magnificent wines. I love it when people get excited about Lombrusco because this is also one of the things that I've really discovered since I've been in Italy. I've, I've been here about two and a half years now. And I had exactly the same experience with the UK market that you have talked about with the US market, that no one's really talking about Lombrusco. It's a very meh wine, as you say. People don't really see what's going on in the region. Like you say, with these smaller producers doing things with ancestral method, doing stuff with altitude. I think this is a wine and a, and a region that is on the brink of having its moment. And I, I hope that that's going to be something that becomes an international moment because I think it's been overlooked for so long. And fortunately, producers have been able to kind of just get on with it quietly whilst we've been overlooking it. And suddenly it's just ready for this big explosion of delicious Lambrusco bubbles. And then the varietals uh, uh, for the first time, uh, I, there's a, obviously for me, there's a, a bit of a language barrier and I, and I have a very good friend, uh, Barbara Derapiti. She works with Wine Link Italy, and she's uh, enotourism. And she also writes for Slow Wine. So she's, I'm lucky enough to have a translator with me when I get lost. And they kept talking about spergola, spergola. I'm like, wait a minute. You're talking about the training system? What? Like, no, 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 no. Not, not pergola, spergola. It's a grape varietal. And that's what we're going to taste right now. So the excitement started building even more and more because it's a varietal that I'd never heard of. I've never tasted. And here I am confusing the names, thinking something completely different. And when you get into the cantina and they they notice that I was very excited because I had not. And it excites the producers themselves because now they're they're sharing their story. So, by the way, that's a great little little uh, varietal, Spergola. Really beautiful wine, makes some really spectacular sparkling bubbles, um, just elegance all throughout. It, 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 it's just amazing. I didn't actually think that there were 
it was possible for there to be adding more and more grape varieties <laughs> in the Italian kind of cabinet of, of varietals. I think they have 598 registered at the moment. And you've been through the VIA program. You know how hard it is to select the grape varieties that are going to be focused on in the Vinitaly International Academy. And this is completely new. So I feel like we need to talk to the faculty and, and get them on the case. Oh, absolutely. By the way, that's that, 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 for our listeners, that is what makes Italian wine so spectacular. Uh, the fact that here are, I mean, 15, almost 20 years later, drinking different types of, of, of Italian wines and all of a sudden, hey, there's a new one. Um, and they told me about other little grapes that basically uh, after the war, they ripped out all these vines to, to make mass-produced wines. And that one little vine survived, that little particular varietal that, 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 that they're just making you know, their home wine with. And then they, they, they discovered it. And when these producers get excited, that's when the, the, the magic really starts happening. I, I truly love that there's still this uncovering of older vines, this discovery of things going on in the vineyards here. And I know it's also happening elsewhere in the world, but there is such an excitement about it with the young generation of winemakers in Italy discovering varietals that they can work with so well because they've just been in the terroir this entire time. It's just incredibly exciting and helps, I think, drive people into Italian wine and continue their journey, like you say, because there's always something new. Absolutely. Yesterday I had a dinner um, here in Umbria and I met four or five producers. Uh, these are natural wine uh, guys. By the way, when I, when I talk about natural wine, I think we have this mis- misconception that they have to be funky, unclear, and, and, and uh, you know, uh, just out there. But these are elegant wines. They're consistent bottle to bottle. But what really moved me was the fact that every producer that I tasted was half my age. These guys were all in the, in the late 20s, uh, mid-30s, and... You know, we don't have to talk. Think about uh, the little old guy in the vineyard. Uh, with all respect to them, making the wine. No, these the, the innovation and the next. They're they're, they're passing the baton to, to these kids. Um, I call them kids because they're so much younger than me. Uh, but they're passing the baton, so to speak, and they're running with it and they're running for the finish line. So we have to, as ambassadors, encourage them. Uh, we have as an ambassador, I want the world to say, "Hey, this is a young winemaker who's just a magician in the cellar, and he has that same passion that 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 we uh, associate with, you know, some of the old old timers that we read about in in all these articles and all these magazines." So, going back to this role of being an ambassador, which is is very much what you do, I wanted to talk a little bit about your work with DMP Selezione because you have this great ability with them not only to represent, like you say, the the larger companies, but they're also working with much smaller producers. And and that provides a great balance, I think, for you in in your wine presentation of of having both sides of wine. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what the feeling is in the market right now in the States about Italian wine and particularly about maybe the smaller producers. Are you seeing them being disseminated into the market? Is is reception good? Uh, Yes, I I must say that it definitely is. I think that it's our duty. Well, it's it's my job, basically, to to, to get to to that point. But there's a lot of um, appetite, I guess. 
the new generation, for example. There's a producer uh, out of Valtalina. There's a couple of producers out there. And, and what's happened in Valtalina, for example, is spectacular because I had somebody approach me one time during the tasting of, of this producer. Uh, I mean, I'll mention the name, Sandify and Dirupi, two guys that I work with that I, I, I really enjoy them. And it's Nebbiolo. And they were saying, you know, this is not my grandfather's wine. I remember having to, 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 you know, with my grandfather, my dad, where they spend hundreds of dollars and wait 20 years to, 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 to enjoy the wine. But this is a wine that I could afford as a young professional. I could enjoy it now. And at the same time, I could see the evolution that this wine is going to have. So you have more of that type of, um, of feeling coming through. And when you have the young producers that are, are, are the rising stars, as I like to call them, who are, have that commitment and have that same quality, you're, you're connecting them. Uh, and, and I think that, like I said, the philosophy of the wine producer comes to doing his wine. So the new generation is accepting it and they're looking for these types of wines that uh, are, are going to be their moment. It's going to be their type of wine. We're always going to have our, our, our Barolos. We're always going to have our Barbarescos. We're always going to have our, our Super Tuscans, which are, are spectacular and we always want to drink. But at the same time, part of this perpetual journey that we're on right now is finding that little gem, finding that, that little region like Valtellina, uh, finding that producer like the Rupio Sandify that is just up and coming that I'm going to enjoy now as a young professional and continue to enjoy into my retirement, so to speak. And, and not only find the wine, but evolve with that producer while my, my palate is evolving as well. So yes, I think that you are seeing quite of a, a nice reception of the young, the young uh, rising stars. Also, as I mentioned, some of the new techniques that are being used, uh, some of the new varieties that are being found, and, and they're connecting. They're very smart individuals who have, I would say, one foot in tradition and then another foot, uh, they know what's happening in the world. They're just not completely closing themselves out. I think that also ties back really nicely to you talking about the importance of story and narrative in presenting wines. Because one of the things I've seen, particularly with these small producers where there is such a great story and it's a new story that, like you say, will develop with drinkers as they start enjoying the wines and carry those wines through their lives. You're able to give them a story and experience that will shape their their early enjoyment of wines and then, like you say, carry with them. I think this is a really great moment for being a storyteller in wine. Absolutely. Um, you know, I just wish that I had more time and and, and I was able to to share more time with with the, the individuals uh, because they they're full of stories. And and it's not just the story of what's going on in the vineyard. It's the, tor- the story about how, um, you know, they share with you, oh, I came home and my, my teeth were purple from tasting and, and my wife started yelling at me because uh, we had company coming over and it was a very important friend of hers. And, and as soon as I smiled, she looked at my teeth all weird because they were black and purple. You know, those, those little stories that you're able to like, as a wine drinker, you're able to understand and say, oh, I've been there. My wife yelled at me too, you know, <laughs> or, or uh, uh, we had this uh, the, uh, opera wine, for example, there was a producer who had promised to take the wife to the opera because uh, the first one they opened after the close down. And he was so caught up with doing what he does and what he loves that uh, she had to actually go and get him uh, to, t- you know, so the, the little personal nuggets that we correlate with that we, we have lived as well because we love wine so much. So, you know, it's not just a story of the cantina, uh, what the climate conditions were, uh, whether they, they pruned, didn't prune, you know, when they picked them, you know, that, that, that's, that's the, the love part of it. But there's so much more that goes with the lifestyle, I would say. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really their, their way of life. Absolutely. 
Um, I love the story of, of yeah coming back with with purple teeth. It reminds me of the first time my husband joined me on a professional trip to go tasting. And I said, do you want to come and taste? And he was like, yeah, okay. And I think he had this vision of, of these tastings and like how easy it is. And it's just a jaunt to drink some wine. And we did Benvenuto Brunello. And obviously this is hundreds of high acid, high tannin, difficult to taste wines. And we got, I think, 20 wines in. And he was like, how long do we have to do this? <laughs> And I was like, well, we've got at least another 150 that I want to taste. And he was like, oh, okay. Um, I might go and get a beer. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's, there's, there's so much in the wine world that you can tell stories about. I'm fortunate because my wife, uh, she accompanied me on a trip and we started a tasting. Uh, at, we started the tour rather at 10 a.m. Um, you know, you see the vineyards, you go around and then you start talking, you get into it. And then finally you start tasting and by around 9 p.m., I'm like, oh, my God, where's Martha? Where's she? And then I turned around and she's she's just having a great time behind me with the producer's wife. You know, they're drinking and talking things. I'm like, ah, you know, so I'm very fortunate in that sense that she likes to tag along and, and drink along with me. So I'm uh, very lucky. Yeah, it's it's nice to have an understanding spouse who can join you on your wine journey, I have to say. He's he's been to a lot of a lot more tasting since and he's he's becoming a bit of a pro. <laughs> So speaking about the, the perpetual journey and the story, what's what's next for you? Where where are you headed next in your professional Italian wine journey? So um, I just relocated to Miami. Um, I've been there for two months now. It's uh, It's been a, a, a transition. Being Latino, I do want to try to uh, start spreading the gospel to the Spanish-speaking world. I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm enamored right now with the uh, the Holy Emilia uh, and the Lambusco movement, the natural wine movement as well. So I I've committed myself with these individuals to unofficially be their ambassador. Um, so I'm going to see how, how it is. I I think these wines are perfect for that type of climate. Um, they're dangerous wines because they're so easy to drink and so enjoyable. And you know there is alcohol in there, so we have to taste resp- responsibly. But I, I I want to explore and see what's going on in that that that, that whole region and. Uh, my wife is from Mexico, so I also have been doing a couple of educational tastings in Mexico. So I would like to expand on that as well. And honestly, just wherever the path takes me, wherever uh, wherever um, people want to taste, and if they invite me to to taste with them, you know, I'll be there with them. I love the idea of you being this kind of bridging the gap between maybe Italian wine culture and Latino wine culture. Oh, absolutely! I, I, yeah, there, there's the there's the fun, there's the passion. Latinos are very passionate. And as you know, Italians are very passionate. And when you get two passionate people together in a room, it just, uh, it's just magical. It, 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 it's just a lot of fun and, and long evenings. <laughs> and then throw in some spectacular wine and it's even more fun. So I really want to talk a little bit because Lambrusco is such a great food wine as well. It has so many applications. Is there a South American, a Colombian food pairing that might work with Lambrusco? Because while I've got you on the line, I'm, I'm going to tap you for, for, some, for some great food and wine pairing. Colombian food in general is, uh, it's, it, there's not a, like, for example, Mexico. Mexico has a very defined uh, culinary culture from, re- just like Italy, from region to region, you, you, you'll find different types of foods. Uh, I think in general, because you have such high acidity, 
uh, and because you have the the the, the bubble side of a defensante, for example, it cuts through a lot of that fat, it cuts through a lot of that grease. So anything that is it's big and full, and then maybe fried foods just does really really well. Uh, I'm thinking right now spicy tacos. You get some some tacos from Mexico, and then and pair that with some nice lambusco. It's going to have that nice balance, and, and, and you know from the spiciness and a little bit of the residual sugar. If you have one with residual sugar, and then some of the other frisante wines just do really well because of the refreshing aspect. But uh, nothing really comes to mind other than simply uh, full heavy you know foods, and use the lambuscos to just cut through that 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 richness. Um, and just refreshes the palate after having a nice full b- mouth of uh, chicharron, for example, or, or, or a nice pork chop or the, the suckling pig, which is a, a lechon, as we call it. Uh, it's full with all, with all the, the meats and the rices and the peas uh, and then the pieces of pork that are in there. So I just think that the lambruscos would do really well as far as pairing there because, again, of the richness and being able to refresh the palate at the same time. That's a lovely connection, again, between the two cultures because, obviously, there's a lot of pork products in Emilia a lot of fat and richness in in that cuisine in a completely different way. But it, it makes real sense to be perfect for those two markets. I'm, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> there was one particular tasting that I was having at, um, at uh, Terraquila, and it was the spergola, the sparkling spergola. And everything that kept going to my mind was like, I got to get back to New York. I want some oysters. And I'm going to sneak a bottle of, of this with me because it's going to do so with the oysters, you know. So it, it's just really they're diverse. So it's not just a Latino. It's just, I think, I think it, they pair with all types of foods. Because remember, Emilia Romana is the culinary capital of, of, of Italy, if I'm not mistaken. So they got it down right. They, they have a wine for every palate. They have a wine for every dish. So you can just take, I will travel. I'll take my Lambusco with me and travel and explore and see what Latino, you know, what countries and what dishes are going to go pair. So I'll get back to you and report on that. Okay, so we've got another episode lined up, your your food and Lambrusco tour of Latino culture. <laughs> I can't wait. John, thank you so much for joining me on the Italian Wine Podcast today. Whilst you're doing that journey, where can our listeners follow, find you uh, online and on social media? Um, it's John Camacho Vidal is my personal one. And I kind of post because work is work and, 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 and personal is personal. But when it comes to wine, they all intermingle. And- Wine Stories NY, uh, social media is Wine Stories NY. Um, I'm pretty much, uh, you'll, you'll see, I'm going to start when I get back home, putting together all the things that I, uh, I I took video and little pictures of and start my story writing. And stay tuned for Wine Stories en Español. Uh, once I hit the Latino market, I think I'm going to start doing a little bit of Spanish writing. So, um, But Wine Stories NY and uh, John Camacho Vidal, those are the two uh, Instagram photos that I have, and Facebook. Guys, go and check it out. Keep your eyes peeled if you're stateside for John's Lambrusco masterclasses that I can sense are coming. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to follow us on social media, subscribe, and, of course, donate on the website to make sure we can keep these great conversations flowing. Ciao, ciao. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, chin chin.